Tomorrow is a full moon. And you know what? You know what? This is the closest full moon. This is the closest the full moon has been to the earth since 1948. (laughs) And since the moon's orbit has an elliptical shape, sometimes it's closer to the earth than other times. And astronomers call this closest to the earth moment a perigree. So when the moon is full at this moment, at the perigree, it's called a supermoon. It's going to be some moon tonight, (laughs) tomorrow night. NASA says that the Earth can be bathed. NASA says that the Earth can be bathed in 30% more moonlight during a supermoon. Yes. I was so daunted to preach today, as you can imagine. I felt the weight of the moment. So I heeded the advice authors give fledgling writers. Write the book you need to read. Or in my case, preach the sermon you need to hear. Write what you know. Preach what you know. It's times like this that we gather together to remember who we are. To pull the lens way back and to focus in very close and to look for God. Where are you, God? Have you heard this hymn before? This is my song, O God of all the nations, a song of peace for lands afar and mine. This is my home, the country where my heart is. Here are my hopes, my dreams, my holy shrine. I think it's safe to say almost everyone in this country is afraid right now, for one reason or another. Something has broken open. More division has been exposed. And many people don't feel safe right now. What is happening Or what has happened to the holy shrine that has been our homeland? And many of us are waking up to the fact that it hasn't felt like a holy shrine for many people for a long time. And for some, this time of change is welcome. But all of us are in turmoil. As you know, I did not handpick the scripture readings for today, I promise. They're part of a three-year predetermined cycle of readings. And God's word for us today is uncannily relevant. Jesus' disciples are admiring the temple in Jerusalem. How beautiful its workmanship is. How exquisite the architecture. And Jesus says, it's all coming down. He says, as for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. This was Herod's temple. And it represented the place where people put their trust, their security, the institution of power, and the dwelling place of God. And it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. And actually Luke, who wrote this gospel, is actually writing after that happened, after the fact, in hindsight. So it's good to know that. Jesus goes on, When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified. 
By the way, there's only one other place in the Bible that uses the word terrified. Everywhere else, it's do not be afraid. But in this instance, it's do not be terrified. The only other place it's used is when Jesus appears to his disciples after the resurrection. And they are startled and terrified by his risen presence. But more on that later. Anyway, it goes on. Do not be terrified, for these things must take place first. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famines and plagues. And there will be dreadful portents and signs from heaven. So yeah, this passage is full of bad news. Everything is falling apart. It's like the end of the world. And then Luke uses an interesting storytelling device. As if things weren't bad enough, he writes, but before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you, and they will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you'll be brought before kings and governors because of my name. He goes on to say that some will be betrayed by their very families, and that some will even be put to death. So basically, Jesus is saying it's all going to get a lot worse before it gets better. My friend Cheryl, an Episcopal priest, posted this on Facebook yesterday. Things are not getting worse. They are getting uncovered. We must hold each other tight and continue to pull the veil back. Did you know that apocalypse in Greek means an uncovering, an unveiling? I didn't know that. And this unveiling reminds me of the moment in Matthew's gospel when Jesus draws his last breath on the cross and the veil in the temple is torn in two. The veil, the thick curtain separating humanity and God, has been torn. When things are unveiled, apocalyptic, full of great change, perhaps we are closer to God who is no longer dwelling behind a curtain but is unleashed and available We're all entering a time of change and uncertainty, and Jesus can tell me, do not be terrified, but I'm a little terrified. (laughs) Especially for those most vulnerable in our society, immigrants, refugees, Muslims, the LGBT community, people of color, the victims of recent hate crimes. Jesus says, this will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance. For I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. Do you realize what Jesus is telling us? That if we speak up for what Jesus stands for, love, inclusion, protection of the vulnerable, nonviolence, when we testify or bear witness to these things, there will be divine power with us. Sometimes I forget, and I think I have to figure this all out by myself, and I forget that the kingdom of God is as close as my next breath. I forget that I have dual citizenship and that my truest citizenship lies in the kingdom of God. And it plays hide and seek with us. So we have to pay close attention to catch glimpses of it. The other night, I was walking the dog with Gwyneth. And she said, look, Mama, the moon is following us. (laughs) I glanced up, and as we walked, sure enough, the moon was following us through the trees. 
And for some reason, as parents often do, instead of just exclaiming, you're right, it's following us, I decided to give her a science lesson. I know it looks like the moon is following us, honey, but it's not really. It's just so far away, so much further away than it looks that it seems like it's following us. She scrunched up her little forehead and replied, but it really looks like it's following us, Mama. I think it's following us. Children see so much more clearly than we do. May they be our teachers right now. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We hear about this kingdom of heaven in this morning's Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah. I am about to create new heavens and a new earth. This isn't about the eradicating of this world for the sake of a new one, good as that might sound right now. It's about the transformation of this one into the kingdom of God, in which one day there will be peace, where the wolf and lamb shall feed together, where there will be justice and plenty for all. This is the hope Isaiah gives us today, that it's all headed somewhere. Can we trust that? That it's here? That it's here and not yet? The prophetic Walter Brueggemann writes that we don't really believe there is newness. He says, liberals rail and polemicize, but it is not believed that something is about to be given. He writes, something is on the move in the darkness, and God works on both sides of the street. Can we trust that? Jesus ended up being a huge disappointment. He died. (laughs) The Messiah died. Can you imagine the devastation and the grief his followers must have been feeling? But then they experienced something new. His resurrected presence among them, which none of them recognized at first. But when they did, they were terrified. And in their terror, they had to touch him to touch his wounds, to make sure he was real. We need to touch what we are seeing, to touch the wounds. And in doing that, we will be touching Christ. I was sitting in a cafe yesterday working on this sermon, and I went to the restroom, and on one whole wall of the restroom was a giant chalkboard. And all over that chalkboard were written messages of love encouragement, and peace, love graffiti, a glimpse. I dropped Gwyneth off at kindergarten at the curb for the first time this week. Usually I walk her in, but this time she was ready to be dropped off. And she strutted off with her little backpack on, arms swinging like she felt as big as the sky, feeling safe and sure in her skin. And I felt gratitude but I also felt a more acute awareness of her privilege in that moment and a prayer that all children could feel so safe in their skin. A glimpse. I see people wrestling, people activated, people protesting, people reading and asking questions, teenagers publicly expressing themselves. A glimpse. And yes, trust me, I'm seeing the other stuff too. Leonard Cohen died this week, and I hear this lyric from the other side of the veil. Ring the bells you can ring. 
Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. There is a crack in everything, even the Liberty Bell. <laughs> so what do we do? How do we, what do we do here at St. Mike's? How do we proceed? Listen to these two questions we are asked in our baptismal vows. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? What does that look like today? And what's the answer to the questions in the prayer book? <laughs> yes. I will, with God's help. With God's help. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that the full moon is closer to the earth tonight and tomorrow than it's been in 68 years. We need a little extra beauty and mystery right now. So go outside, take it in, bathe in that extra 30% of moonlight. (laughs) Then go and be a peacemaking presence in the world. Amen. Amen.